like trees walking. Keep it going. Like your trees are walks. Oh, sorry. Dan- Daniel Hupp. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry for ruining you. your wonderful music with my awful singing. I thought it was very nice. Well, thanks. You know, I was once invited to audition for the Minnesota Boys Choir. Were you? Yeah. What was this just like they saw you at a at a church or something? No, my uh, I was so uh, at my elementary school we had a really good choir and music teacher. Um and uh I think her husband or someone was connected to the Minnesota Boys Choir and so she encouraged me to try out for it. Um and, but then when I it was a lot of more commitment than I was ready for as a uh, sixth grader. Wow. You know, you had to like this close to fame. Ah, I was so close. But it was like you had to travel around and I was into like I thought I was a I was a bad athlete as a child. Not like comically awful, but like yeah. not good. Uh, but I was too into like sports to like commit that much to a choir. So well, life, life regret. Go. So think of where I could be now. This is uh, this is a little window into the world of that is Pastor Dave Berge. <laughs> oh, sorry. And, yeah, and yeah. This is who like are you? Trees walking. Oh, yeah. I am Michael J. Nelson. Okay. And this is a podcast where we talk about some of the biggest issues in life. We do it from a Christian perspective. Big, important topics, but we try not to take ourselves too seriously. We are small men taking on big <laughs> topics. Small minds grappling with big things. That's our cut line. Right? I love it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. That's actually really good. That's really good. So thank you for joining uh, us for the show. We have a good show today. We have uh, Pastor Dave, the uh, former child singing sensation, <laughs> is going to, later on in the show, is going to give us one of his, his beefs. Oh. He's, he's got a bone to oh, pick. Oh, I got a he's real bone to a, pick. He's got a, a beef. He's got a gripe. And uh, he's going to lay that out for us. And you should see the passion that he had when he was explaining this oh. to me. So get ready for a, a blast. You might have your have your hand on the radio knob ready to yep. just turn down and the rage. If man. you're ear, if you're listening to this on headphones or earbuds, get it. It might start heating up in your ears. <laughs> so get ready to take these take them off. So that's later. Uh, but uh, right now. Before we start with our big topic, I want to uh, make a little declaration okay. to those of you who maybe saw the, the print down below about what this would be about. Let's be clear. We are going to be talking about politics, but we are not going to be talking about anything specific. So this is a free, you're free to listen to this without your blood boiling, no matter what side of the aisle you are on. I think. Don't you I think, think so. That's true? Well, I'm an avowed mon- I'm an avowed monarchist. So if you <laughs> if you ain't comfortable with that, then turn it off right now, kids. All right. Uh, I am full out anarchist, so I'm bringing down the system. So obviously, I have no stake. In hey, it Mike at all. is it's very distracting, but he has one of those uh, Guy Fox masks on right, right now and it's really disturbing to me it's very sweaty i don't like it at all uh no the, he was the just point beating being... a garbage can by the way before, right. before we started i'm spray painting a's all over my basement wall yeah. um no the, we, we are going to talk about concepts related to politics yes. but we will not be talking about politics no yeah. names will even be mentioned I can't. Um, I can't promise that. I can make <laughs> references, you know. But uh, but yeah, it, it's it, this is from a theological philosophical perspective. Not a. Uh, this isn't a. Uh, we're not taking on the role of partisan cheerleaders and telling you um, which team to cheer for. You know, the blue team or the red team or the uh, green team or the purple team or the weed team, whatever. You know. <laughs> right. All right. <laughs> yes. So that's the disclaimer. So now let's get into it. And and I think you could probably guess where this is going the the point being 
uh, what do we do in an age where, and I've, I've seen, I'm old enough to have seen plenty of these ages, and probably all of us have at yeah. some level, of a, a high amount of passion around uh, politics and around the political state. And so let's just get the pastor's take on what is the, I guess, what is the Christian point of view? What's the Christian perspective? How do we deal with this? How do we deal with others? Uh, go. All right. Walk us thank this. you, thank you, thank you. So yeah, this is a fraught um, political uh, moment, um, and I think for some of us, especially for some of us who are younger, you know, that we didn't live through previous I mean, I wasn't alive when Watergate happened or Vietnam or anything like that. So we have a very limited frame of reference, I will say I will say that, which I think is sometimes helpful to remember when we talk about how awful things are. And then I talk to my dad and he's like, oh, yeah, I was going to the University of Minnesota and like they like protesters took over the campus for a few months. Right. And you're like, wow, wow. Like what? Like that to me seems hardly even possible, even though I went to the U during the Iraq war and there was protests, but it was, you know, no one ever took anything over. So, um, I think a healthy humility, uh, not to, um, overemphasize our own moment is kind of where I start. Cause I try not to run around with my hair on fire. I don't think that's helpful. And so my mantra that I keep repeating, which is not to, you know, sort of people go, well, you're going to be like a frog in hot water, you know, as the, you're just going to, the water, the temperature is going to get boiled up. You know, things are going to change. It's going to become awful. It's going to be, you know, Nazi Germany all over again. Oh, you know, I mean, it only took you that long to get to, to the, the Godwin's law. Exactly. Nice. <laughs> exactly. You know, so we're turning, you know, so like pastor, you're burying your head in the sand and you're going to be a frog in hot water. I'm saying, no, 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 I'm not telling anyone. Um, to do that. I'm just saying my mantra that I want to repeat to myself, it's Psalm 146, verse 3. Psalm 146, verse 3. It's put not your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. And so let us, as much as possible, avoid the idolatry of politics, which is pressing upon us, that it is everything, that it is all in all, that it is all consuming, that it is worthy of all our attention and time and devotion, that that is unhealthy. So do not allow politics to replace religion in your life or seek salvation in it. There's a, uh, there's a secular version that it's, it's from the Robert Frost poem. Do tell Mike. When at times the crowd, I'm sorry, when at times the mob is swayed to carry praise or blame too far, we may choose something like a star to fix our minds on and be stayed. So just a little, the peaceful words of our poet laureate. Robert that's great. Frost. Wow, that's really good. So yeah, uh, uh, and also this too shall pass, mm-hmm. folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, we we will see a time beyond the passions that are rising right now. So uh, for, that's the first lesson. Yes, that's the first. From there, lesson. where do we go? So that's where that's where I start. And I mean, just keep in mind that you know the Christian faith was born in the Roman em- context of the Roman Empire, and it was born in the context of. Of persecution, and and it was in a um, kind of quasi legal state for its first three centuries, almost three centuries. So we can know that uh, Christianity can flourish under very difficult, uh, very very difficult conditions, and that our, our Christian brothers and sisters of time past did not live in a sort of state of power or of influence. So we can know that our faith is not threatened um, by who is in charge. And another thing that I think about is I think about this wonderful. Um, uh, short little article essay written by C.S. Lewis called, uh, I think it's Meditations or Reflections on the Third on the third Commandment. And he was speaking at a time, I think it was 1940 or 1941, in Great Britain. So we're at the you know height of World War II um, and the 
tumult and turmoil that that caused. And he was getting a lot of feedback that was saying, you know, hey, let's start sort of a, a, a Christian party, you know, a political party that bears Christian ideals into society because that's the only thing that's going to save us from this madness and help us rebuild the world. And he, Lewis was very, very opposed um, to this idea because he said, he said, you can't have a properly um, Christian political party without it devolving into something akin to heresy, basically. Right. Because he said, he said, all we can do kind of from a Christian perspective is we can talk about ends. What are the proper ends of a government or a political project? So, and he says, if we just stay at the, if we stay at the kind of level of ends, what's the purpose of um, a government or a polity? He's like, we're not a party, you know, because we're not advocating specific policies. But as soon as we start advocating specific policies and become a party, we cease to be Christian because we take a part and we substitute a part for the whole. So when we're talking about ends and we think about ends, you know, what are the ends of government? What is the New Testament even picture? You know, one of the main ones it says is, okay, maintaining public order, that seems to be a very legitimate function of the state. So maintaining public order, uh, the maintenance of, of, of justice, you know, so punishing um, the wicked and protecting uh, the good. And we can talk about, you know, um, things like life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness that you could say fall under the broader um, umbrella of what does a government exist for? You know, we talk about, yes, we all agree on these things. And hopefully, you know, maybe that's why people feel fraud is we don't even agree on ends anymore. But, you know, we think that that largely we should live in a just and a prosperous and a safe society, right? Like, mm -hmm. like we all agree on that. So right. how do we do that? And so Lewis says is there's a lot of different ideas and Christians of good faith and good conviction can hold different answers to those questions. Sure. So you could say, you know, the best way to adjust society is, uh, you know, that, uh, that we have a, a social welfare state where, you know, you high taxes, high level of services. That's one way to um, advance these causes. Someone else could say, you know, no, 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 no. You know what? The best way to do this is we rely on um, things like markets because that's going to make sure that there's a sort of a... Uh, a prosperity that's enjoyed by all of society, and so the most people will be able to flourish by this. Uh, someone else could say, you know what, we need a, we should have a benevolent <laughs> monarch, sure, uh, yeah. you know, and that what they can do is have sort of power to make the uh, the best policies to provide the best for the greatest number of people, and uh, and and so those are competing visions of how we fulfill these ends. And Lewis is saying, the mistake, the mistake, the mistake is to mistake is to take one of these perspectives about how to achieve these Christian ends and make it the only perspective, and thus take a part of Christianity or a part of Christendom and make it the whole. Because then what do we do? We exclude fellow Christians from being within the, the, the political project, or we say they're anti-Christian or unchristian, and that is a very bad, very dangerous thing to do. Right. So um, the interaction between people at this time, I think we've talked about this before. What's, give us the nutshell, what's the best way to interact with people at a time when passions are high and and uh, tempers are flaring and there's there's just so much passion and so much and and i think that knowing my own uh human frailties uh you tend to think but this is important this mm -hmm. time this time is really important um and then you give yourself an excuse to be a jerk or to be <laughs> overly uh confrontational or to uh to worry yourself into an early grave, which I see a lot of uh, of, of my friends doing. Yeah. Um, which, uh, you know, so how, how do we respond to that? Well, I would say that um, a very important thing to do is to be patient. Patient with um, other people as they're expressing their thoughts and opinions. So 
being patient means listening to them, um, not reacting as you see them perhaps reacting. I think being patient with your own self in terms of trying to really understand what's going on in the world, you know, the, the truth of a given situation. So um, the technology that we have, uh, smartphones and social media, encourages us. It's always beckoning forth from us a public opinion about everything that happens every day. And we don't have to give in to that temptation. We don't owe the world that. So be patient. Be patient when you're thinking about what's really going on. Take a step back and think before you act. Be patient with your uh, fellow brothers and sisters and your fellow citizens as they're trying to work these things out too. I, I think that that goes a long way and helps kind of lower um, lower the temperature in, what, in what's going on because I see so much of, of what is wanted from us is like give your opinion now. Give your take now. Yeah. Argue with this person now. React to them now. And what happens is we end up arguing a lot about, about a lot of things that end up not being true or not quite how we characterize them. And we give into a lot of half-truths or, 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 or mistruths. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to perpetuate um, lies about the world or lies about other people. Um, and we don't want to participate in them. So, so be patient. And, and I know people can say, well, you can say it's nice to say be patient, but this is really affecting real people on the ground. Um, and I and I totally get that. I totally understand that. And it's not to say don't act. It's just to say be fully cognizant before you act of what's really going on. Yeah, yeah. And and I think it's a it's a pretty simple rule: uh, treat others as you'd like to be treated. And, Who said that? What and what revolutionary said that? Wow, he must have been some hippie. I don't know. <laughs> Long haired, <laughs> going around talking about peace and justice and peace and love. Yeah. So, um, all right. What what else to add? We've talked about sort of the goal of Christianity. We've talked about interactions. We've talked about tamping your own rage down and being courteous and kind, even when you're talking about serious things. We can still do that. You don't have to grab the pitchfork and the torch every time even exactly. if it is important exactly and and yeah i hope you hear us saying that ideas are important that 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 yes. that that means are important too um so we're not saying don't talk about this don't argue about it but i think that the kind of um the dynamics of power crushing you know like just using our soapboxes or bully pulpits to crush other people is deeply unchristian and unhealthy and unhelpful. And the more we sow seeds of dissension, the worse we make the world. Right. All right. Good thoughts. Put a bow on it. <laughs> Thank you. Put a bow so on it for much. us. Yeah. The um, bow. The bow is this. Uh, God is on His throne. Nothing has changed that. And so that's our first principle: is is really the 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 Christ as King is our ultimate loyalty and allegiance. Everything else is 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 secondary to that. Um, all of our earthly authorities derive are are granted, gifted their authority by God, and it's for them to use judiciously and wisely as uh, citizens, subjects, whatever we are. We can certainly call them to account for that. But if we keep God on His throne, and we keep our loyalty and allegiance to him, we will not make politics into an idol. And it will also give us the freedom, I think, to be um, a lot less uh, that since politics is not our religion, which team we find ourselves on is not where our ultimate loyalty lies. And so that, I think, frees us to interact with our fellow human beings and, and citizens and people in this world in a much more um, healthy and helpful way, because these aren't apostates from our religion. They're just other people who are trying to, to figure this out. Right. And just on the on the level of, of sort of 
being a Christian in tumultuous times. Just as a point of interest, I was I, I was listening to a message yesterday, and the person was just ticking down all of the letters of the New Testament that were written to persecuted Christians, and and it was a good deal of them. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you're not the first, and, and so, you know, relax. Be anxious for nothing. Be ye not anxious. That's not like a thing. But, don't, but, but yeah, be anxious for nothing is what Christ says. Uh, yeah. You so, know. so relax. To quote Ben Gazzara from Roadhouse, relax. And to quote that one song that I don't know who does it, relax. Don't do it. <laughs> if you want to go through, who does that, Mike? Frankie says relax, don't you know? Frankie goes to Hollywood. Oh, what a great band. A great band, great t-shirt. Yeah, great look. The long lost Frankie goes to Hollywood. I think they're no longer with us. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's that's uh, some bad news. Sorry for your loss. Yeah. Just give <laughs> me a right. second. Why don't we take a little break right here? Because I get your pull, pull it back together, Mike. Yeah, we'll take a break. I just realized that. Okay, we'll be back in a minute. Hey everyone, this is Dave. Thank you so much for listening to Light Trees Walking. Um, you can catch us live on Wednesday, March 8th at the Uptown VFW, a true institution in Minneapolis. We will be there at 7 p.m. Um, in their uh, performance room, their stage room. Um, and if you get bored with the podcast, you can play some big buck hunter or throw some darts in the back. But we invite you to come out. It is free and open to the public. So be our guest, be our guest there. Other things you could do is if you are on iTunes, you could subscribe to this podcast. You could rate it. You could review it. You could follow at Michael J. Nelson or at David underscore Berge or at LTW Pod on the Twitter machine. And you could like us on Facebook and share us with your friends. And uh, yeah, that would be really, really great. So thank you so much for your love, your loyalty, um, the great topics that people suggest to us. It's really, really wonderful. So we are happy to do this show and uh, that you're listening to it. So let's get back to the pod. And we're back. And uh, in a moment, we're going to have a little rant from... Uh I don't. Know, I don't want to call it a it's rant. A, it is a. It's a bit of a rant. Is it a bit of a? Rant? It has ranting tendencies to it. Okay, a screed. As <laughs> people say that. They, they, that's usually. A, a, they don't mean it in a good way. No. I read your screed. A, a <laughs> Jeremiah, perhaps. Oh yes, I call it a Jeremiah. Yeah. Uh, that'll be coming from uh, from Pastor Dave. Uh, but first, uh, oh, and then uh, we have a special new department, um, which we'll do. But uh, just give a wrap up to our little our talk. The, the big view, the long view of politics. The long view, yeah. We're, ta- we're always trying to take the long view. So in this fraught political moment, um, one thing that can help us live and survive in it is to rec- to have a perspective on it, that God is Lord overall, um, that Christ is King, and it's to him that we owe our ultimate allegiance. And so that helps us reprioritize our, our, um, our cares, our concerns. As, as I think St. Augustine would say, it helps us properly order our loves. And so if we're overly anxious about politics, if we are just in fear and loathing at this, at this moment, I think we need to check uh, the order of our loves and the priority that we're placing on politics. And then if we approach it, I think, with, uh, with the appropriate level of level-headedness, um, then we can engage with the issues of the day and our fellow citizens and our fellow Christians in a really constructive manner. 
And so we can um, treat these things with the, the patience and the thoughtfulness that they deserve. We won't just be hot-taking um, everywhere and stumbling our way or, or, or hot-taking our way from one controversy to the next. We can treat, uh, treat, these, treat these questions with the thoughtfulness that they deserve and, and treat ideas seriously. Um, but we won't be just be running around like chickens with our heads cut off with blood squirting and spurting on everything. Calm and wise words, but I wish you had screamed them at me uh, at a Facebook post and, and, I could have, and called me names. I do have rules. Do you want me to share my rules for staying happy on the internet, Mike? Oh, yeah, please do. I have three, I have three rules yeah. for being happy on the yeah, internet. I think this is, would do a great service to many people listening. All right. Uh, first one of which is never argue with anyone on the internet. Right. Okay, so good. never argue with anyone on the internet. That's a good rule. What's the exception? Never argue with anyone on the internet. Uh, my rule number two is don't read the comments. Yeah, that's a good. So uh, good an one. article, anything opposed, just don't read the comments. Uh, and if unless you find yourself doubting the doctrine of original sin or of to- of total human depravity, then if you if you find yourself thinking, ah, you know, maybe people are basically good, read the comments. But otherwise, don't. And the last one is, as, as as much as it is within your control, don't hate read or hate follow. Um, now, yeah. maybe I'm breaking this a little bit. Maybe I'm a hypocrite with my Neil deGrasse Tyson, <laughs> but I try not to do these things. I don't follow him on Twitter. These things just come across like people retweet them and I see them. So I do not hate follow Neil deGrasse Tyson um, or anyone like that. These things come across me. I can't help it. But I'm not constantly looking at his page. So as much as it is within your power and your control, don't hate, read, or don't follow. Um, and I think that though if you follow those three simple rules, you will be a much happier person in the social media and internet age. Good rules. Good rules. Thank I, you. I have a, a, a brief funny story. We, uh, um, I wrote along with some other fellow writers, wrote an article for Cracked uh, online. A humor magazine. Yeah. I used to write for the... For the uh, when the print version came for a briefest, briefest of times that there was a new print version of cracked. I wrote for them. So anyway, I, I wrote a, an article for them, just a funny listicle kind of article. And, uh, the comments were like so outrageously hateful towards you <laughs> well, towards, or just towards our writing. I don't okay. know what it, it was. Some particular thing about it. We were joking about something and it set somebody off, but just hundreds and hundreds of, I hope these guys die in a fire type comments. And uh, one of my producers for who was working with us said, was so alarmed by the comments that he said, "We we have to get it taken down." We had and the the writers who had you know not their first rodeo were like, "What are you talking about? These are just like thirteen year old kids going insane." But it was so over the top, and once it started, it just snowballed into this thing where if you were just landed there from another planet and weren't aware of internet comments, you'd think. What is happening? <laughs> These people are These people so are insane. Yeah, it was crazy. So yeah, that's a good rule. Don't read them. You <laughs> have to, or just you have a very, very strong uh, sense of yourself before you attempt to do it. Uh, but speaking of things on the internet, you, oh, Mike. you you talked me into this. I don't want people to think that I'm bringing this up. So can I throw this over to you? You can definitely throw it over to me because this is one of the most fascinating things that I've ever learned. I can't remember. It was the uh, early aughts. Uh, not the aughts, I'm sorry, the early teens, Yeah, I believe, the early teens of uh, of this 21st century. And there was a song, and I was in, I remember I was in Southern California at the time, and I was doing youth ministry, and this song took off with the with the teens. It was incredibly popular, um, and because it was so absurd and one of the worst songs ever written. Um, and now you're listening to it right now. 
This is a song by a woman uh, named, now she's a woman, a young woman at the time, named Rebecca Black. And I just found out today that one, this is like a fun fact segment, that one of the people responsible for you knowing about Rebecca Black's song Friday is none other than Michael J. Nelson. Mike, how, how did... How did you help Rebecca? I mean, obviously the song itself deserves to be heard, but how were you a conduit through which Rebecca came to our general consciousness? Yeah, this is one of those things, you know, like uh, every time they brought up um, the monkeys, they'd say, did you know that his mom invented liquid paper? This is my <laughs> stupid little fact factoid about myself is that, yes, I. Uh, they wrote an article about how I was responsible for uh, her success. I found it on the internet and I retweeted it on a an opportune time on a weekend and I just said let your sing your way into the weekend with this song and then I, I actually insulted it so I, I yeah I didn't I should have just taken it at face value um, and then it just it took off from there and so people wanted to know who put this video out there who's responsible and they traced it back to me and and so uh, if you look at the official report, I'm I'm a large part of Mike it. Mike is patient zero of the Rebecca Black Friday outbreak. Let's listen to a little bit of it just to remind everyone what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kicking in the backseat. Gotta make my mind up. Which can I take? And here comes the chorus, folks. Yeah, so, I mean, I think this is fairly obvious if you remember this at all, but the, the story of how this came about, I believe this is a vanity project where you could go to a studio and you bring your child, and as a gift, they would make a video for them. So, uh, and, and I think you could just pick a song. Yeah, it's like and... a really rich person's Chuck E. Cheese or <laughs> yeah. something like that. So like... it's kind of, I mean, I guess uh, equipment and everything is cheaper these days to do it, but it, it does, it looks like a video. Yeah, I, the it's video. It's not a very good one. No, it's a bad <laughs> video, but the production value is like very high. It's it, To me, it stands the test of time to this day. Like it's, you know, good graphics in the background and it's well shot. Like, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's just, Wow. But, so, yeah. Let me just look at the uh, where I'm looking at the views. And I was recounting to uh, to Dave here how um, uh, one of my uh, a fellow workers was uh, he noted the rise in popularity. And I had gone out of town for the weekend after tweeting it out there. And he kept writing back like 60 million people. You know, it was just outrageous. Like, are you kidding me? So it really did. It was one of those things where the, the, the viralness of it was was indisputable. And right now, if you had to guess how many views, uh, I'm assuming there's like 8 million versions of this, so this can't be, no, be the terribly only accurate. Yeah. But still, if you had to guess how many views. Mike, I would guess 104 million. <laughs> you saw it. I saw it when we watched yes. it before I saw it. 104, and that, that I'm, I'm assuming it's many hundreds more because of the different permutations so and think, people reposting it and all of that so and folks let this be a beautiful lesson about how one simple act can touch hundreds of so millions of lives yep so that's my uh that's my little one interesting fact about my life nothing everything else is pretty much plain vanilla but you did uh, invent liquid I did, I an edible it. version of liquid paper <laughs> uh but now we can delay no further Pastor Dave, All right. give it to us, both barrels. This right. is the segment we like to call Pastor Dave Rants. Yeah, this this is... A, give it to us. Things You know, some things get my dander up, 
and this is one of them. So uh, as we mentioned in the last episode, or maybe I think it was the last episode, we were watching the Super Bowl, um, Super Bowl LI 51, great game, big, huge comeback by the New England Patriots. I mean, the greatest, one of the greatest comebacks in sporting history that I have ever seen, or greatest meltdowns, depending on who you're looking at. But it has the comeback aspect to it, because it's a team sport. It's not just like Jean Vandeveld at the British Open on the 18th hole, leading by three strokes and dropping three strokes. You remember that? Yeah. I was watching that live. Yeah, that's right. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. That was the the most amazing live sporting thing I've ever seen, because this man, and he went back... um, like for an infomercial for a putter a couple years later and played the hole with a putter and it took him three tries and he beat his score playing the hole with just a putter oh <laughs> the goodness. whole hole he played with just a putter so anyways uh, i digress but to say that the new england patriots they won their fifth super bowl tom brady's fifth super bowl cementing his legacy as the greatest quarterback ever to play the game bill belichick further mm-hmm. cementing his legacy as the greatest football coach in history and so belichick they're interviewing him after the game and this is the quote that he gives he says, as great as today feels, we are five weeks behind the other teams for the 2017 season. Wow. And here's why I want to rant. I, what is wrong with a human being who the, the night, the very night that they reach the pinnacle of their sport, that they achieve the success they have been pursuing all season long, and they do it in the most shocking and unliking, unlikely and just amazing comeback you've ever seen. The man says, well, we're five weeks behind next year. And, and Nick Saban, the Alabama football coach, I've also seen him do this very similar thing where they just won the national championship. And he's like, well, I'll enjoy it tonight. And then, you know, tomorrow or Monday, it's back to work. And I just go, these people wow. are lifted up as like pinnacles of success and the best of what they do. And instead, for me, instead of them being objects of our adulation or, uh, you know, admiration, these men should be ab- objects of our pity. Because what kind of an existence do you lead where you can't enjoy success? Like, how empty is your life where you can't even enjoy success, Mike? Wow. Yeah, it is a pretty dark outlook. There's no going to Disneyland for these guys, huh? No, it's... It's just such a grim way to respond to such a joyous thing. And so this, uh, to to, to make it, uh, I was thinking about this uh, theologically, but this is sort of like living a life devoid of Sabbath. Where you take no enjoyment, where it's just work, 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 and you are totally defined by what you do and the success you produce that you can't even enjoy it. And so I would say, man, Bill, he needs, if he's not a Christian, he needs to, he needs to get in touch with Jesus and understand that what he does is great. He's successful. That's wonderful. But it's not the defining thing about him. It's not the most important thing in the world. And he can take some time and just enjoy life for what it is, the gift that it is. Yeah, wow. It's also, it's a kind of stoicism that reminds me of, the, there's an old wisecrack about uh, Swedish men. You know, the, he was a guy, he loved his wife so much, he almost told her. You know, just like the <laughs> yeah. joyless march through my marriage, and this is exactly. the joyless march through football. I'm just accomplishing a task. I, I told her I loved her when we got married, and if anything changes, I'll let her know. You know, that kind of approach. He's he needs just, a bit of that. Yeah, I'd say Belichick needs a little memento mori. You know, the, like remember that you will die. Yeah. One day you will die. This, you know, this is it. So so stop. Smell the roses. Look yeah. around you. Enjoy the success. I think, it too, it robs you of, the steals you of the joy Um Especially he's done with this other people, a whole team of people, so that they can all celebrate this together. It's somehow he's he's not just robbing himself of joy; he's robbing this whole experience and team of joy. Yeah, definitely itself too. Yeah, so it's very uh, selfish. Yeah, as a leader, everybody's taking a cue from him, and so it's like, oh yeah. 
Let's just get back to work, yeah, back guys. to the no grindstone, big, no big back big to the factory. Like, way <laughs> to go. Congrats. Greatest comeback in NFL history, you know? Yep. yep. Well, so I, I do. I mean, I, so today as you listen to this podcast and you think, man, if you think, I wish, <laughs> probably no one would say this, I wish I could be Bill Belichick. I wish I could be as successful as him. Just say, man, be careful what you wish for because uh, you would be wishing yourself for success. But are you really successful if you achieve your goals, but you're still just a miserable human being. And you know what? At the bottom of it all, all our accomplishments are filthy rags, empty right. and meaningless. And so get, get, get some Jesus in your life. Get the, get, get the gospel because then you can go, listen, it's not about what I accomplish. These other things are great as much as I can bring glory to him. And I don't need to rest on them or achieving as the basis of my existence. So that's think, my rant. Yeah. Live your life. A little more like Rebecca Black, a little less like Bill Belichick. (laughs) I would rather be Rebecca Black than Bill Belichick. Seriously. Yeah. Just go to the bus stop and wait for your friend's car to drive up and sing with joy in your heart. And think of fun, fun. Think about fun. Just think about it. (laughs) Do you think Bill Belichick's ever thought about fun? No, he doesn't even know what it is. Not a moment in his life. Well, folks, this has been Like Trees Walking. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we hope you take a message from it to relax in this fraught political age and just have some joy in your life, right? Listen to some, yeah, listen to Rebecca Black. Enjoy a Friday. Think about fun. Fun, 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 fun. We'll see you next time on Like Trees Walking. Yeah.